This is the Green Student Ministries Middle School Podcast of the Chapel in Green. We are committed to our students being known, knowing Jesus, and becoming kingdom workers. We hope this podcast serves to encourage, challenge, and to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. This is Green Student Ministries. How many of you have family like fun nights? Anyone have, like, nights where you're, like, your family all gets together and you do something fun? Or even, like, a fun family day? Sometimes, yeah. I, my family will do them a lot, actually. So every Sunday night, I go over to my parents' house, and we try to just, like, do fun things together. And most of the time, we like to play board games together. So is anyone, like, a board game fan in here? Oh, yeah, I see some people. Yeah. So one, my family has played lots of board games, and we've learned to steer clear of, you know, games like Monopoly, because I think anytime you play Monopoly, someone has to cry. I think it's a part of the rules. But, so we will skip Monopoly because we don't want to have an all-out family brawl during the game. But the game that we've found that has been really, really fun for us is it's the, this subscription box called Hunt a Killer, Okay, so we get these subscription boxes, and together as a family, rather than competing with one another, we all work together and try to solve this mystery. And a lot of the times it's like this fiction, it's always a fictional story, but the subscription boxes like build off of one another. So like every month we'll get one new box, and we'll open the box, and there's like letters and stuff, and there's even like little trinkets or clues that point to like suspects. And we gather around the table, we're, up, we're probably eating lots of snacks, and we're reading through like looking at all the clues and hopefully we really get to the next point of this mystery where we're able to solve who did it or what was the murder weapon or all these different things. So it's kind of just like this fun thing that's really exciting when you get to hold all the clues together and you see where they're pointing. It's fun to like hunt down all these clues and look through. And when you find something that like makes sense, that's like the best feeling in the world. When you're like, wait, this whole code, I finally solved it. I get what it means now. And this points to that. So as a family, we get together, we solve these mysteries, these clues together, and that same feeling that I got while playing the board game of, like, finding out these clues and looking through clues and being really excited when one makes sense, where you see where this is going, is sort of the same feeling I've had these past couple of weeks as we looked at this series of John. So one of the things as we've looked at uh, the miracles that Jesus does in the book of John Uh, I've just been amazed throughout this series because we get to see firsthand the deeper meanings behind what Jesus is doing. So many of his questions and his actions, he does so to maybe do a physical healing or to prove something by his actions or a question. But most of the time, he's trying to get the people, the crowd, whoever he's doing them in front of, and the readers, us, to find a deeper meaning. And most of the time, it's this spiritual meaning. Jesus is doing these miracles and these signs to point us towards a deeper, more spiritual thing. And most of them have to do with our hearts and our salvation and faith. Um, So it's just been really exciting to look back and to get excited about all these different clues that Jesus is leaving in these passages in Scripture. Um, And one of the things that Adam and I have been, like, super geeking out about is as we've been looking at these signs and miracles in John, Jesus is pointing back a lot of the times to the Old Testament. By these miracles and these signs, we've been able to see clues 
that Jesus is pointing back to the Old Testament. And most of the time, Jesus is calling back to someone who performed lots of miracles and signs in the Old Testament, uh, this guy named Moses. So are any of you guys familiar with this guy named Moses? He was like a main character, really, in the Old Testament. There's lots of scripture de uh, devoted to talking about who he was, like his whole story, and he's just a great person to look at that we can look at and model our lives after. Uh, but he's an imperfect example. Um, so many of times, Jesus, God, used people in the Old Testament to show a greater picture of who him, he himself is. He puts these people like Moses in these positions with these stories to do miracles and signs, to be a prophet, which is someone who communicates the word of God to the people. And he also used Moses to rescue people from slavery. Moses had this huge part in the Old Testament, and many of the people in Jesus' day were very familiar with the person of Moses. And as we've been looking at the book of John, I've been able to see, and Adam and I have talked about this as well, there's so many callbacks to things that Moses did in the Old Testament, to what Jesus is doing in these signs and miracles. There's lots of clues in these callbacks, which has been really, really exciting for me. If you guys are like ever like nerd out about something, when you see something like work together and you get to see the whole picture, it gets really, really exciting. So there's this, this strong connection between Jesus doing these miracles and signs and the person of Moses in the Old Testament. And I want to read us a passage before we jump into the miracle that we're going to look at today. Um, and it's in Deuteronomy 18, verses 15 through 20. And Moses, like I said, was this prophet. He communicated the words of God. And he also predicted, um, he predicted in his time a person like him a person who would be Jesus, who Jesus would come in um, and be the better version of Moses. And we see this in Moses as he says this. Again, this is the Old Testament. Um, Moses says, Moses continued, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. For this is what you yourselves requested of the Lord your God when you were assembled at Mount Sinai. You said, do not let us hear the voice of the Lord our God anymore or see this blazing fire or we will die. Then the Lord said to me, what they have said is right. I will raise up a prophet like you from among your, their fellow Israelites. I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell the people everything I command him. I will personally deal with anyone who will not listen to the messages the prophet proclaims on my behalf. But any prophet who falsely claims to speak in my name or speaks in the name of another... God must die. So this is pointing back. So Moses is pointing towards the person of Jesus at this point. Moses is saying, hey, there's going to be a prophet like me who does things similar to me, but better. And Jesus, as we looked at the signs and miracles in John, we're able to see a really clear picture that Jesus is this person that they've waited for. Jesus is the prophet that Moses was predicting about. He is like Moses, but much, much better. And there's this connection between Jesus and Moses, as we're going to be able to look at. So for this morning, we're going to look at the miracle of when Jesus walks on water. So that's found in John 6. We're going to start in verse 16. John 6, starting in verse 16. And this is right after Jesus feeds the 5,000. Just like one verse above, we see Jesus doing this. So right after Jesus feeds this crowd miraculously, 
we see Jesus do another sign right after, and he walks on water. So starting in verse 16, that evening, Jesus' disciples went down to the shore to wait for him. But as darkness fell and Jesus still hadn't come back, they got on their boat and headed across the lake towards Capernaum. Soon a a gale swept down upon them, and the sea grew very rough. They had rowed three or four miles when suddenly they saw Jesus walking on the water towards the boat. They were terrified, but he called out to them, Don't be afraid, I am here. Then they were eager to let him in the boat, and immediately they arrived at their destination. So this is the passage that we're going to be looking at this morning, and I want us to grab hold of a couple of details that are really important for us to see. Uh, The first being that, one, the disciples were waiting for Jesus, and Jesus at that time was already left. Um, He ran away from the crowd. If we remember from last week, um, after Jesus fed the 5,000, we see the people um, proclaiming that this might be the prophet we were expecting. And when Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. So Jesus was not ready for their political ambitions quite yet. He was different than what they were expecting, and he slips away from this huge crowd, and the disciples are ready to leave this place. Um, But they leave without him. Jesus hasn't shown up yet. He's still on land. He's still gone. And the disciples are alone in the darkness. Um, We see darkness fell, and Jesus still hadn't come back and got into the boat. And soon, this huge storm comes across uh, the lake. And I think a lot of times, it's hard for us to picture these really scary storms on lakes. Um, Like, they're actually quite dangerous. I feel like I just always picture just, like, a little rocking boat. But no, like, the waves were high, and, like, the boat was swaying in and out. Like, they were fearing for their lives in this moment, where it was very, very rough. And they rowed, and they were manually rowing, trying to get out of the storm and trying to find safety. And all of a sudden, they see this figure in the distance walking on the water, walking on these crazy huge waves, this storm in the midst of it, not being overtaken, but walking on top of the water. And so he claims to them in the midst of their terror and their fear, Jesus says, don't be afraid, I am here. And they were eager to let him in the boat, and they immediately arrived at their destination. So once Jesus was with them, once he got on the boat, we can see that they were at their destination. Just miraculously, they were finally where they were supposed to be. The storm was calmed, and they were back to where they were. Like almost like a mini miracle in the midst of this other miracle. Jesus walking on water, and yet also when he gets on the boat, they get to their destination. So this is a really cool story in and of itself, and we could spend a lot of time just looking and dissecting just this passage. But like I said before, there's lots of clues here that point us to the person of Moses, that point us back to different stories in the Old Testament. And this is what's gotten me really excited, and Adam and I have talked about this a lot, just how cool this is, what Jesus is doing this to show who he is in a greater way, in a greater capacity. So this story is very, very similar to one in Exodus 14, when Moses parts the Red Sea. 
So at this part, maybe some of you have heard of this story or remember something like that, that there was something that happened there. But to give you a little bit of context, the people of God, God's chosen people, the Israelites, were held in captivity by the Egyptians. They were slaves to the Egyptians for many, many years. And they were crying out to God in their anguish. They were depressed and they were seeking someone to save them. They needed rescued from this captivity, from this slavery, this very physical um, response to this. And so we see God answers them by the person of Moses. And we can look at the story of Moses. There's so much in there. But Moses, eventually through signs and miracles that God allows him to do, rescues the people from Egypt that the Pharaoh allows for the, the Israelites to leave Egypt and to be freed. And so they get to, the Israelites are walk, running away from Egypt, and they get to this Red Sea, and it's too far to cross. It's too, they have to go through it somehow. Because at this point, the Egyptians changed their mind. Even though they said, yeah, you can leave, the Pharaoh then at this point changes his mind. He's like, actually, I want to chase them down and kill them, actually. And so the Israelite people are seeing the enemy coming upon them, and they're terrified. And then God allows for Moses to part the Red Sea, and they walk right through it. So in this story, there's lots of similar parts to Jesus walking on water and Moses parting the Red Sea. One being that they both have huge bodies of water. And most of the time when we see water in scripture, seas or lakes, a lot of times scripture is pointing to the symbolism of that being chaos or darkness or sin. It's whenever we see water typically in scripture, it's this point to show us that this is a chaotic circumstance, that there is darkness surrounding them, that there's this sin that has to be overcome through this body of water. And both of these stories have this, this idea of this midst of the chaos of these hardships that these people are suffering and facing and needing rescue over. And in both of these stories, both in the one about the Red Sea and the one about Jesus walking on water, we see people desperate in desperate need of a rescuer or a savior. Both are fearing for their lives in a very real and present way. Both are terrified and needing rescued in the moment where they're like, I don't know how much more I can take. And I think a lot of us can also relate to moments like that in our lives. We come to this place where our world seems chaotic. We come to a place where maybe there's drama in our midst of our friend groups, or there's fights that you're having with your siblings or with your families, or even just the stresses of everyday life of school, of all these things where it seems like, man, I need rescued from this. Man, it seems like this is too much for me to take. We need this thing, this rescuer. We need to be rescued from the midst of these hardships and the things that we're facing in our lives. And so we see that both in these passages of people desperately needing rescued from something. We also see a do not fear statement in both stories at the height of the fear moment. So during the Red Sea, when, we, when the Israelites are crossing in the midst of walking through the Red Sea, in the midst of it, they're terrified and they see the Egyptians coming for them. We see Moses say, do not fear, the Lord is with you. Do not fear. And we see this again. Jesus says this, don't be afraid, 
I am here. We see both of these instances when we're faced with fear. Jesus and God are commanding us, are encouraging us to not be afraid because the Lord is with us, because of the Lord's presence. We don't have to fear because God can overcome and is with us. I know that's really encouraged me in moments when I've been really, really afraid, despite the outcome of going through life when I felt like there was things out of my control or things that were scary or I had to face things that stressed me out or made me anxious. The one thing that calmed me was knowing that God's presence was near, that Jesus is near to those who are brokenhearted, the who, the, that Jesus is near those who need comforted. And so he proclaims that in these, both of these messages, that even if you are afraid, you do not have to be afraid because Jesus is with you, that his presence is near. And so the biggest part of the Red Sea that I found interesting, and this is really where I want us to sort of camp out this morning, to really take hold of and try to understand, because this part was like what really, really excited me as I was studying this passage. Um, So the Red Sea was being parted and was being used to help the Israelites escape slavery. So if both of these stories are connected in such a deep way, if we see Jesus imitating this same story, recreating it with his signs, is there a way that Jesus is also hinting at escaping slavery? Jesus is always trying to get us to look past the physical and look towards a deeper meaning. And we see throughout this series that Jesus is showing that he is the prophet that Moses had foretold about, that he is like Moses, but much, much better. He himself walked on water. He walked on top of the chaos and the darkness and was not overcome and was not moved. He rather walked right on top of it. And Moses parted the Red Sea for the people to escape slavery. So if Jesus and Moses are connected in such this grand way, what freedom does Jesus himself offer? And this is the question that I want us to end on this morning. What freedom does Jesus himself offer? And that freedom is is freedom from slavery of sin. We see this idea, this phrase being used a lot of times in scripture, um, We are slave to sin. The idea of being slaves to sin, slavery to sin, is being used over and over and over again. And I think sometimes we miss it. Um, But Jesus talks a bit about this in the next chapter, in actually two chapters later, in John 8. We see Jesus speaking to this idea of slavery to sin. And we see it in John 8, starting in verse 34. And we're just going to read 34 through 36. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. A slave is not a a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. So what this is pointing at is this idea that because we sin, that because we go against God's will, do wrong, miss the mark, that we are ourselves slaves to sin, that because we do those things, that because we give in to sin, that we are then slaves to sin, that that sin holds us 
It has this hold on us. It's, we can't break free from it. It's like we're chained to this, to chained to doing sin over and over again, but also chained to the consequences that sin gives. And we see as we look at throughout Scripture, uh, Paul writes about this, that for the wages of sin is death, that the because of sin and because we, are, we do sin and because we are slaves to sin, we can't break free from it. And so that leads to death. It leads to death, physical death, and also eternal death, which is this separation from God. It's this very real thing that all of us are a part of. However, as we can see from this passage, Jesus breaks us free from that slavery. Jesus offers freedom from the slavery to sin. That there is actually hope in Jesus, that like Moses, he brought restoration, he brought deliverance to the people, that they were able to experience freedom from slavery, freedom from slavery from the Egyptians. And Jesus imitating this is pointing towards a deeper spiritual meaning where he himself, Jesus, because of the work he's done on the cross, and now he is the payment of sin, he bought us with a price with his blood that we no longer are slaves to sin, that we can experience this freedom. Because Jesus offers this freedom to us, we can run to him when our lives seem out of control, that we can run to him in the midst of hardships in our lives, and we can run to him in the midst of even when we mess up. And this has encouraged me so much this week of looking at just how Jesus is one who gives freedom where he breaks those bondages of sin to us, that we no longer have to serve sin, but that we can rather serve God instead and experience this freedom. And I, part of the application that I want us to take away from is just to be amazed at the work of what Jesus does, of how he calls back and tries to get us to a deeper picture, a deeper spiritual picture of looking at how Jesus, what he does and what he says and how he points back to the Old Testament and how he becomes the fulfillment, the better Moses and how that's just amazing. It's like that same feeling when I have when I get all the clues together in that game. It's when the plot finally comes together and you're able to see how the author strung all these little clues and hints towards something. I think that's something that we have to take hold of sometimes, that we just have to be amazed at the work of Jesus and how he works and how he's the complete fulfillment of everything that scripture says, that scripture is alive and it's all pointing towards Jesus, that all of these things have come to a head and Jesus is in these moments is offering a response to us, that he allows us, he's doing all of these signs and these miracles with the hopes that we will believe, that we will see and understand and believe and have our lives changed because we choose to follow after Jesus. So there's a few questions I want to ask you guys. I want you guys to maybe think about this morning, maybe the rest of the week. Um, here are for, here's the first one. Are you willing to accept the freedom that Jesus is offering? Are you willing to accept the freedom that Jesus is offering, that freedom from the slavery of sin, that we no longer have to deal with the consequences because of Jesus? 
Are you willing to believe that Jesus is who he says he is? This is a great question I think we've asked ourselves every week after looking at these miracles and signs of do we believe that Jesus is who he says he is? And are you willing to trust that Jesus is the conqueror of death and chaos and that he can be trusted with the parts of our lives that have both darkness and chaos? Because Jesus is so much better, is the fulfillment of Moses, and that Jesus is doing all these things with the hopes that we grab hold of them and see that Jesus is who he says he is, that he is offering us freedom, and that he loves us so desperately and is chasing after each one of you with the hopes that we will turn and believe. Will you guys pray with me? Father, we love you and your scriptures. We love you that you've given us your word to dive into and to look for all the clues, God. Um, And Lord, it can be exciting to make connections to see how the Old Testament points to Jesus and how Jesus points back to the Old Testament. Man, those are exciting, Lord. But Lord, I pray that our hearts are, are changed for you, Lord. That we don't just increase in facts or knowledge, but we are able to have a heart change and see that you are who you say that you are. And that we're able to see a clearer picture of who Jesus is, that he in fact is our rescuer, our deliverer, that he is offering each of us freedom. And God, allow us to rest in that, to rest in the freedom that he is the answer. Lord, we love you and we praise you for this day. And I pray that you give us more opportunities to see you work and to experience your love and that we can share that love with other people. We love you, Lord, and we praise you in all these things. Christ's name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Green Student Ministries Middle School Podcast of the Chapel in Green. If you have any questions or concerns, feel free to contact us at GSM chapel.life or follow us on Instagram at Green Student Ministries. We would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.